0: Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 27 with guest Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Before we get to the interview, I want to thank you guys for the overwhelming and amazing show of support that you guys gave for my six-month podcast anniversary, which was just last week, episode 26. Last week, to celebrate, I bought a new desk, and this week, I got a brand new chair, <laughs> which may not be news on other podcasts, but you know, I'm pretty happy about my new corner office and I'm happy to share the updates as they happen. If you're new to the show, welcome. I am a recent entrepreneur. And so some of these, some of the little things are what are bringing me the greatest joy these days. And if you're new, you can find out more information about the show along with the show notes over at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash musicformakers. makers. And if you head over there, you'll find all the links and information about this show with Logan. If you like what you hear, you can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and here's even more great news. As of this week, Jumpstart Your Joy is now on Google Play as well. So if you're on iTunes, please leave a review as it helps new people find the show and it may entice sponsors. Speaking of which, if you are a business owner and you want to support the show by becoming a sponsor i would love to hear from you and you could reach me at media at jumpstartyourjoy.com this week i get to talk with logan nicholson he's a content marketer at an ad agency by day but in his quote unquote spare time he runs music for makers creating and sending out a free piece of original music every monday we chat about his business how he finds time to do it all about the ad agency world, and if you listen to the very end, he offers a discount code worth 15 bucks for his new pro service, and it's an exclusive for Jumpstart Your Joy listeners. So, without any more chatter from me, here's the interview with Logan. Welcome to the podcast. This week, we have Logan Nicholson. He is the creator of Music for Makers, and welcome to the show, Logan.
1: Thanks. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, so glad to have you. Would you like to tell us a little about what led you to where you are and what your background is?
1: Sure. I think it's best I guess to start talking about where I am now and then <laughs> kind of work in reverse. So, sure. yeah, so during the day my full-time job is a content marketer at an ad agency. I guess what led me to that was I do a lot of online writing and my education background is in journalism. Uh mostly, it was pretty diverse, which kind of works out cuz content marketing is it's helpful if you know how to do a, a lot of things, at least a little bit. And yeah. uh, so I had to, I, I jumped around majors a lot in college, and so that was kind of useful. But so that's how I ended up in that position. I've been making music kind of publicly, like playing shows and recording and stuff since I was 16. So that kind of combined with my marketing experience now is, has what's led me to Music for Makers.
0: That is so awesome. Well, a lot of the folks that seem to be on the show are what some people call a multi-passionate or renaissance soul, but it sounds like you kind of have that where you like a lot of different things is basically what it means, and, and oftentimes you dabble in them as part of your either your creative outlet or your work. Do you want to share what some of your majors were? Just
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I started in design. I was mm-hmm. actually just like a fine arts major, and then from that, I kind of shifted to more multimedia and, like, web stuff mm-hmm. and, and moved into web design and then ultimately ended up in, in journalism and communications and graduated with that. But I, I totally identify with that, like, multi-passionate thing. That's, it's, <laughs> that's like, the challenge, too, you know, is, like, trying to figure out where you can actually invest your time. And especially, in, I feel like in a world where specialism is really now is it's becoming very highly valued. People want to hire a specialist rather than a generalist. Um, that, but that's one thing I like about content marketing is – you're kind of allowed to be a generalist, but you mm-hmm. still are seen as a specialist, you know? So it's a it's a good, a good area.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I get the sense we are very similar in several ways. And I was a project manager slash web producer at ad agencies. And it was an amazing fit for kind of the same reason you just said, that every day was a new challenge. No project was ever the same. And so it kept my brain really, like, excited and trying to figure out puzzles. I bet that's part of the resonance for you as well. Do you want to explain a little bit for listeners who don't understand what you mean by content marketing or content strategist, just so they have a sense of like, what do you do day to day?
1: So content marketing is, well, the definition is probably going to vary a lot depending on who you ask, but I would say it's, it's about creating. And I, I really, and a lot of people, I think, don't like the word content um, <laughs> because it sounds like it's like, created in like a factory, like produced, you know, like it's kind of sterile. But in my opinion, it's more like art with the strategy. So whether you're writing a blog post or creating a graphic or, uh, you know, an infographic or, or a video or something like that. But basically, it's you're creating this thing with some ultimate goal. Typically, it's to build an audience and then develop a relationship with that audience and then ultimately, ideally, convert them into a customer and then continue that relationship. Content marketing basically is just it's marketing with Often with words, it's less about spending money. It's, it's uh, more about investing the time to create something that's really awesome that people want to check out. And it's not as, as much about pushing that to them versus creating something that's so great that people will come to you to an extent. You stuff have to market it, but uh, that people will come to you because it's so good and they'll keep coming back.
0: That was really nicely explained. I think it's hard to understand, <laughs> especially if people are not in the agency world, like that there are so many different variations on how brands want to reach what they would call the end consumer. So I think that that was really nicely stated as opposed to what often people think of in advertising would be blinky banners and, (laughs) you know, all the outbound and what advertising would call outbound and direct stuff, which is really hard selling kind of often in your face and it doesn't really engage with you. It just says, here's our message and here's what we offer and buy one now.
1: It's not two-way at all. It's yeah. It's, it's much more one-way conversation. So, yeah, content marketing, I think, is a much better direction and shift from that kind of yeah. more traditional ad angle.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it opens itself up to creativity in a way, especially on, like, your side of things. The people that are creating the content then are often engaged and get to create things that really are are meaningful to them and that start, start conversations that are operational in some ways.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, too, it's – you have a lot, there's a lot greater chance to make something that really matters. And, you know, I mean, cause you really, a lot of content marketing aims to help somebody solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and rather than just make an ad, that's like a, you know, 30 second TV spot. That's just promoting like toothpaste or something. You're actually helping somebody figure out how they can make their lives better by addressing like a real issue. So I think it's, it could be fulfilling in that way as, as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Thank you for helping explain that. I think
1: um, oh, no, it was interesting. I don't get to ask that question, you know, working at an agency and everybody kind of more or less understands what it is. I don't have that many conversations about kind of the basic of like what is this term. So that was interesting.
0: That is funny. As a child, what were your early sparks of joy?
1: I think, kind of, when, I guess when I think back about being a kid, really like, and like, you know, the, the happiest moments, I guess, I just immediately think of being outside I spent a a ton of time outside all the time just kind of always with my dog you know like my trusty sidekick you know just kind of getting like escaping into my imagination uh, that was always like a really joyful thing I guess I think when I wasn't doing that I've always enjoyed making things so whether it was just like Legos or Kinects or or whatever just drawing like from ever since I can remember creation has always been like a key component of of what brings me happiness. So Mm -hmm. I'd say that would would definitely be a big, big thing.
0: There's a through line for a lot of guests that there's that piece of childhood that was probably carefree, but definitely out in nature and often just getting to use an imagination. It's interesting to reflect that then what what happens to us as a collective whole that we step away from that is, is starting to become my question too. I don't know if you want to reflect on that as well.
1: Yeah, well, and what's ironic too, I think is... I think you start with that imagination, that creativity, and then maybe kind of through school, mm-hmm. you learn that, like, you actually just have to study these facts and math equations or whatever. And then you graduate and get out and you go back into the job world. And especially all my work experience to this point, you find that creativity is valued again, you know, and, like, imagination, <laughs> like, trying to figure out these complex questions by thinking outside the box is, like, what's, you know, really valued. I don't know. I guess it's really ironic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, certain
0: level. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're on to something because there is that, I mean, it's it's institutionalized learning and there is that thing where we get told there is a right and a wrong way to do it at least in that context. And so then if you're an overachiever, perfectionist, and I think we all get that gets built in a little bit as we go through school, like I think yeah, we start getting praised for the things that are a match to what the institution Oh, you said it the capital I institution, <laughs> like what that sees as good. But then you're right, like once you get out, like, I don't know, it was amazing to, to then step in candidly to the agency world because it was so, like, hey, people were talking about ideas again and this was fun. Like, yeah. I don't know.
1: It's about, at that point, it's like about breaking the rules, you know? Like,
0: mm-hmm, yeah. Or can you push
1: things to to create something new and different? So,
0: hmm, I think we're onto something here. Yeah, because then also, I mean, people love ads and some, at least some, like the Super Bowl, though, I'm thinking of, like, I think we love that because that all those seem to break the rules, either in a great way or in a way that you're like, "Yeah, hey, I don't like that." But like, there's something to react to because people are encouraged almost to break the boundaries.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: <sighs> Interesting. Okay, <laughs> you currently run an online music service called Music for Makers. Where did you get the idea for this?
1: Well, I guess I was exposed to just through um, through working at an ad agency and, and you know creating content. I was exposed to a few different sites. Um, the two that come to mind right now are uh, one called Unsplash and the other called Death the Stock or mm-hmm. Death to the Stock Photo. And basically, what these sites are is they, they're photography sites that offer royalty free photography under the Creative Commons Zero license or the public domain license, which basically means you can use it really however you want. Um, there's no copyrights, you don't have to attribute it to anybody or pay anything. And that's really handy, especially in digital marketing and, and particularly in like social media marketing, because you typically have a pretty tiny budget and so you can't really like license a f- photograph or you know you can't even, like go out in the field and always take a photograph depending on what you need it for mm-hmm. so services like that are really cool um, there's been a few that have popped up for video as well you know that they're really handy but basically I guess when I initially got the idea for music for makers as I was starting to create videos and animations for clients for social media posts and I realized kind of consistently each time I did it that like the part that I really got hung up on, especially because, you know, like you can shoot really good video with an iPhone even at, mm-hmm. at, you know, now. And then there are these sites where you can get free video to use. But the part I con- continually got uh, hung up on was this music piece. so it's like, I have everything ready, but then like, you know, like it needs something else, needs some music. But then it was really hard for me to find any- anywhere that had music. And there's some services out there where like it's a uh, creative commons, Three license, which is just the attribution license, so you can use it for free, but you have to credit the right. music to somebody. Yeah, which isn't a, a huge deal in most cases. But say you're like, you know, doing a Twitter video where you have like limited character face and that sort of thing. So it, even that kind of service was still kind of restrictive in certain ways. And so. Basically, I was like, this thing needs to exist, but it doesn't. And then there is this other side where, like I had mentioned, I've been making music since I was like 16. So I was like, well, why don't I just start this thing and see what happens? You know, like if I'm having this yeah. problem and I'm just now kind of dipping my toes into video production, surely people who are doing this every day is like full time. Surely they have this problem, too. So. That's kind of the the genesis of the idea was that I encountered a problem myself and then thought, well, hey, like maybe I could fix this and surely other people would, you know, dig it as well.
0: You're right. Like I I know the site Unsplash, you know, we all need a good lifestyle bit of photography and put in a blog post or whatever. But yeah, I mean, thinking back to the agency side of it, for sure, it seemed like music was oftentimes the thing that would get hung up in – both legal language of like, how can you use it? But then lots of times, I don't know if you've experienced this, but the legal language was based on like needle drop, which is like so old fashioned that like, you're like, I don't know how many times this is going to play. Like who, what a question, where did this even come from? So it was like so far removed from the digital world that yeah, I, I think, yeah, royalty free is an awesome option because then as a social media piece, you also don't have the time to go back and negotiate. and
1: Exactly. That's yeah. awesome. You, you don't have time to send it to your lawyers so they can read over the license and then yes. make sure that the, the budget's there to actually pay to license it. The traditional model of, of music licensing is just it doesn't really fit, I think, into in digital marketing today.
0: How does someone get the music that you create?
1: So uh, basically someone would just go to musicformakers.com, and then when the page loads, you'll have this big bar where you just enter your email address and hit, uh, send me songs. And then, so every week I, I write and perform and record and produce a new song. And then, so every Monday I send that song out. So basically when you sign up, you get uh, one free song every Monday. And again, it's, you know, royalty free and and completely free to sign up. So
0: who do you see use using your product? Is it is it mostly like single makers or have, have you had some more commercial people uh, sign up for what you do?
1: The audience signing up has actually been one of the most interesting things about the project because <laughs> yeah. launching it was like I said, I, I kind of identified it as a problem for me and what I was doing. So when I launched it I was thinking like this is gonna be people who aren't really like professional video, you know, editing people. They're more like social media marketers or content marketers or even like people getting into podcasting. So when I watch basically I do what people say not to do generally and, and I kind of targeted like everyone that's creating anything and um because I didn't know what I was going to get to be honest. It's been it's been interesting. I think I would I would say mostly it is like individual makers. There have, there have been a few agencies or like little film shops or broadcast shops that have subscribed but what's really been interesting is just the different disciplines i guess of people that have signed up so i'll have like people who are like full-time video production people or they'll be game developers is always really interesting to me whenever mm-hmm. i get you know an email saying yeah i build games and you know like here's the link to the one thing i'm working on right now just because mm-hmm. like game development is so fascinating to me because it's like you basically create this new universe and then yeah. let other people go like explore it you know which is it's like playing God, I guess, which is <laughs> kind of So that's been one of the neatest parts. And, of course, that's how you and I uh, got connected. So that's, that's one of my favorite things of the project so far is just seeing who signs up and then kind of getting to talk with them about, like, what they do. It's always pretty fascinating.
0: I love that you said that, you know, you did what people said not to do when you launched. But it sounds like it worked to your benefit because maybe you didn't know who, this, who your audience really would be.
1: Yeah, and I mean to an extent, frankly I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but it, you know it's it's working. I mean, I guess I'm not it's not like I'm targeting everyone in the world, but I am targeting basically uh, most people who make things. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm like broadly specific, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. I think it's smart. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean it, it's a cool audience, you know, kind of even if it is a little bit broad, it's just an inspirational group of people to kind of be connected with, you know, mm. we're committed to to making stuff is pretty uh, inspiring.
0: Yeah, and do you find most people are appreciative that it's something you're offering offering for free?
1: Yeah, generally I'll, I'll get, uh, you know, some, some pretty uh, grateful emails um, <laughs> when people sign up or, you know, when they get, like, the first song or whatever. So that always feels good, too.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, yeah. Well, that's how we started communicating. I think yeah. I wrote back and just said, hey, I have a podcast. <laughs> so then, yeah. Yeah, it's funny you said uh, video games. Yeah, I loved... I loved World of Warcraft for many reasons, and part of it, I, honestly, was the you know the orchestration. I mean, like the musical score was grand and sweeping, you know, and like every area had a different musical theme, and like it was beautiful.
1: Well, yeah, and in, in game, when, when it comes to music in games, it's really interesting because typically, um, especially in a game like that, it's you know interactive music. You know, if you're yes. if you run into kind of like a bad guy or whatever, then like. Yeah. The bass gets louder, you know, the beat speeds up or whatever. But basically, if you move around the the world, things change and adapt. So, yeah, so that's something I'm really interested in. And I haven't really, I haven't produced any music that really um, addresses those specific needs, but uh, maybe maybe one day. Definitely an interesting topic.
0: Right. Well, because, I mean, if you get into the architecture of the music, or that's not really the right word. I, I took music theory, but clearly most of it has left my brain. But um, it seems like then it gets into the part, because I saw your your um, blog post about creating looping music. Yeah. So that seems like it would have to have that, where there'd be a commonality where you could either crossfade into a new music or,
1: right, or yeah, loop
0: so. into something that's a similar key and a similar tempo so you can change it. I'd love to hear your take on how it's different for games a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. Like, I think typically there is kind of a common theme mm-hmm. um, that, that does kind of seamlessly loop, so you don't, you know, it's something that you probably don't even necessarily always notice is even there, but it's it's a common thing that other elements of the song can build onto. So that's what when most often when I'm talking to game developers who sign up, that's what they're looking for is something that can just go on forever, you know, seamlessly loop forever, and ideally have elements that, gradually fade in or out and that sort of thing
0: that's awesome yeah if you're digging this part of the conversation go listen to matt wood which i think is episode i think he's three i'll link him up but he's a sound guy from skywalker so if you love that bit please <laughs> go listen to matt too you'll love that conversation so it sounds like for this work you are a one-man show then for music for makers
1: yes to my detriment sometimes <laughs> um, yeah yeah it's a, it's a lot to juggle but it's kind of cool i think you know if if people aren't working for themselves or, you know, if they're working for a company or even just in a team, I think it is, it's a good exercise sometimes just to have a project that you completely own and you, you can make all the calls just because of that kind of creative freedom is, is fun, but it's definitely, it's definitely demanding as well.
0: You're juggling a lot, right? Like a day job and then this that you do, I'll use the air quotes around in your spare time. How do you find time to work all those things in? Like what, I got asked this a lot while I was last year juggling, you know, full-time job and life coach training and (laughs) creating a podcast. How do you, how do you make it work?
1: That's like, that's, that is the question. I think, you know, (laughs) uh, that I wonder myself a lot of times and I find myself thinking all the time, like, man, I don't understand how people start a job like on the side while they're working full-time job. And then like, it'll like hit me that like, I'm kind of doing that right now. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think, uh, First is probably sleeping less than I would actually like to is uh, the first way. I mean, I basically before I go to work early in the morning, I'll work on kind of the business marketing of the project and then, you know, work all day and then come home and then work for a few more hours on actually writing and producing the songs for each week. So there's not really a lot of time left over after that, but uh, I think it's just about. I mean, to me, it's you know we launched last September, so it's only you, know, you haven't even been around for a year. So to me, it's still it's still kind of like this short term investment that okay. hopefully will pay off, and then things will kind of balance back out. But yeah, right now it's just about kind of like you know putting my head down and and getting things done. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can totally relate to that. It's interesting. But the podcast went. It started in September as well of last year, so we're we're on yeah, the same. Cool. We're on the same birthday track for the yeah. p- projects. So we'll have to check back in on that. Definitely. Have a little celebration. Yeah. For me too, it was, maybe I didn't think too much about like how much I was doing. I was just finding ways to do it. And and I think maybe that's a big thing too. It's like, it's the no excuses rule. Like, well, I signed up for the podcast. <laughs> it deserves my attention and yeah. I love it. So I think when there's that cross crossroads too of something that you love and that, is interesting and fulfilling then I think it's easier as well so
1: yeah um, well and I think too and and I've been meaning to to write about this and hopefully well soon but one of the biggest I think contributing factors to me continuing to do it and to you know like find a reason to put more hours in every day is I know that like thousands of people are expecting an email on Monday you know to get a new song <laughs> so it's that like accountability I think it made is a big reason it's a big driver of, of to just keep working you know. Yeah,
0: I hadn't even really thought about it from my own perspective of that being a built-in accountability, but of course it is. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like consistency is is part of what I want to be known for. And, you know, because there's a million reasons why Tuesday mornings I could be like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I have to put another one out, but like – but it's never – I think if it ever gets to that point where I actually – feel it, then I would not. I think it's time to consider a new product. There's people out there that listen. So yeah, of course I want to be there for them. And I want to be known as the one that I don't miss a week because that's that's not who I am. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. I can't wait to read that post. You also talk a bit about creative minimalism on your blog. How has that come into play for you? I think you just, you touched on it a little bit right there.
1: Creative minimalism is, is just a, a term I kind of came up with. And it basically means, so minimalism of course is kind of breaking things down to uh, kind of the most basic, simple thing. And then, so in my thinking, basically, creative minimalism would be taking kind of the most simple approach and really the most basic ingredients you need to, to create something. So the way this looked for making music and kind of the story I... I shared when I wrote about it on the blog was that I'd been making music for a long time and then it got to the point where I'd kind of got a little bit burnt out and the the reason that is is because up to a certain point I had been you know playing in bands and stuff so when you go into the studio there was still a certain limitation because you know like okay well we will have bass and drums and keys and guitar because that's that's what you know we play like there's you can't you know like we'll just play that because that's all we can play when we play live, basically. But then I started just doing more studio work and multi-track recording basically allows me to lay down a drum track and then a guitar track and then a keyboard track and then a bass track. and then. But since I'm not ever going to be performing this live, it's kind of like, where do you draw the line? Uh, there's kind of an unlimited amount of possibilities and directions the song could go. You know, there's a there's a quote from Jon Stewart that's something along the lines of, creativity doesn't come from freedom, it comes from limits and you know that basically when you have some kind of limitation it gives you a structure that you can then build off of and this that like really resonated with me because when when i did have like a total freedom to take the song in any direction i wanted i had no idea what direction to take so there was kind of like a lull in creating music when i was going through that and then i got really into what's called uh, live looping which essentially is say if you're playing guitar you have like a guitar pedal and you play a little riff and then you, you click your guitar pedal and then it repeats that riff seamlessly over and over again. And then you can add another one and another one, but essentially you have only a limited amount of instruments and time and, you know, audience attention to work with. Uh, you're forced to, to create something uh, within th- these limitations. And that made it really interesting to me again and challenging again. And and then, you know, things kind of snowballed and I started creating music again. So long story short, um, this this is a, a term that I you know and then phrased creative minimalism, but it's basically about breaking things down into and, and setting limits for yourself to put yourself to create because otherwise you just get overwhelmed by all the the choices and, and options out there.
0: Ooh, that's really good. I like it. I'm gonna have to start using that too, if you don't mind. <laughs> I love the term. Go for it. Yeah, it's funny because when I read that post, which I'll you know head over over to the show notes if you guys are curious about reading it, I'll link up, but. One of the things that made me think of was a long time ago, back in an ad agency. I'm just kidding, but uh, we were working on a banner ad, boring, right? But but not because we wanted to show, I think it was a weightlifter for the Olympics, and we wanted to do it in a banner ad. And the you know, and the creatives are like, Why would we even bother? Because this is too hard. And I was like, You guys, this is a challenge, let's make it a game, let's make it fun, because let's see, this is like a challenge instead of it just being like this tiny space that is the throwaway space. So I think it was that same kind of thing. And, and we did it. And, you know, that team actually won some awards for those placements because it was like, nobody does that with that little bitty bit of space.
1: Yeah. And, you know, back to kind of uh, like my educational background, like with, with journalism, that's kind of the whole, with the deadlines, you know, you pull in the mm. deadlines into things too. It's like, that's really the way to get you working in, in a way, you know, and that's, that's part of what's baked into music for makers too, since I am sending out a song every week. So in in a lot of ways it's, I feel like the project has helped me grow creativity uh, and creatively because it's, it's forced me to produce something even if I don't necessarily feel like it, you know, and I have to, I have to deal with that uh, limitation and that structure.
0: Yeah. I like that. And I I would kind of challenge listeners. Like if there's something, if you're a blogger or whatever, if you're a creator of any type, like how could you use that? How can you harness that power and, (laughs) and make it so that it, You know, you're forcing something upon yourself, but you're also trying to do your best work within a certain amount of time. Because there's something super interesting about that. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. You do some work with video. I was reading something else online about how 2016 is the year of video. What do people who are online and and creating things for digital consumption, what do we need to know about video? And like, do you have any favorite tips or tools? Anything fun to share about? how to see this This as an opportunity that we could jump on now and get really comfortable with.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think now is the, the barrier to entry for video has never been lower because, you know, you, like the average smartphone today just shoots like incredible video and you can do slow motion or time-lapse or anything, just stuff that five years ago people probably couldn't even imagine doing in this little handheld device. So I think, I think it's really easy to get started, uh, even if you don't have anything other than a smartphone. But I think there's a real opportunity because – for one, video is incredibly personal, and I think that inherently makes it really engaging. And if you start looking at you know different social networks, so it's probably more than a year ago now that Facebook really started focusing on video on their platform, and Twitter's doing it, obviously, and Instagram and Snapchat. And then, of course, there's always YouTube as well. So all these different platforms are really focusing on video. So I think there's a real opportunity, for one, to kind of take advantage of that. For a while, we've seen on Facebook that uh, video would increase reach so you could reach more people with video and they, it would be more engaging because of the autoplay and stuff like that. So I think there's a real opportunity just to, if you're trying to connect with an audience and get get a message out there there's a real opportunity with video in that way. But then again, I think there's it provides an opportunity to connect on an emotional level and a personal level because people are seeing you assuming you're taking a video of yourself. They're seeing you and they're making that connection. So it's especially, you know, there's for people who do kind of follow content marketing stuff For a while, people have been talking about this idea of content shock where essentially there's so much noise and content out on the web. How do you, like, people are just going to get to the point where they're full and they can't consume anymore. Um, How do you get over that? I think video could be one way just because it allows your personality to show through and, and allows you to make that connection so that people know you for you and not necessarily just for, you know, an article that they randomly scanned because they saw it in their Facebook feed or something.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, especially around content shock, because I I love the term. I hadn't heard it before. It's so true. I mean, there's so much content coming out of each day. And and many, many things seem so interesting. A friend and I joke about the term, uh, people are becoming digital hoarders, where, you know, like you download every possible ebook you can find because you think, well, I want to read it. But then it really just stays on your hard drive and you don't read it. Yeah. So I wonder if that's kind of the saturation point has been reached <laughs> and yeah. that's a similar, you know, it's goes hand in hand with content shock there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's that whole, you know, the whole idea of FOMO or the, the fear of missing out yeah. or whatever, that I think, um, you know, I think was originally kind of termed for people who were constantly on Snapchat or whatever, like wanted to see what their friends were doing and, and obsessed with missing out on that. But I think it's, it's a real thing. And like, the professional world too, you know. Like I've got, I don't, dozens of articles saved that I'm supposed to go read later, and like it's like on this mental to do list that is adding a little bit of stress to my life, you know. Like every day because I, I think I have to read it. There has, you know, there's going to be value in that. Yeah, it's an interesting, you know, the whole, the whole content shock, and uh, I think there are a few other terms out there, but that's that's kind of the the trendiest one right now. But um, it's an interesting concept for sure
0: and it is hard I think there's something nice though about video if if we go back to that but that I mean it's digestible once and you don't you know if you want to go back you could save it you know if it's a TED talk you want to see and you're like oh I need to watch it but I don't know it seems like there's something a little bit different about the way we can consume it it still takes time but for some reason it's more passive I don't I don't know if that's making any sense at all but it seems like it's easier than you yeah. know reading a, a pdf of something
1: oh definitely yeah it's, it, I, th- I think it takes a lot less mental work to yeah. listen to someone explain something versus trying to discern that from you know uh, some text
0: well put yeah i think maybe that's it maybe that's why podcasting too is like yeah i mean i moved when i was commuting from well partly because i was driving a car but even when i was riding a train like it was easier to listen just because it seemed more enjoyable so I think. right
1: yeah when that's you know, that's, that's what you, I thought was kind of funny when you said you heard people saying uh, 2016 is a year of video, <laughs> which I've heard, heard too, you know, but it, at the same time, I've been hearing, you know, either 2015 or 2016 were the year of, you know, podcasting. It's when yeah. podcasting is kind of reaching critical mass and people are listening. And, that, and I think it goes back to the con- content shock thing, because I've done I, exactly what you described, you know, it's, it's a, now I'm to the point where I'm trying to find any spare time in my day. So if that is my commute to work, like, you know, then I'm. Plugging into to something, to some podcast. So it's kind of amazing how we can find all these ways to to soak in more information.
0: Yeah, just recently you also launched a new part of Music for Makers. Would you like to tell us about what that is and how it works?
1: One question I get a lot when when uh, people first sign up is, "How do I get access to the songs you sent before I signed up?" You know, are they online somewhere, or how can I download them? And so basically, I rolled out, and and frankly, just because I had to do it to, if nothing else, offset the cost of running the website and everything, I recently launched uh, Music for Makers Pro subscription, which basically when you sign up for that, so there's the free subscription that we talked about, where you go and you enter your email address and you get one song for free every week. That's not going away. That's you know a core piece of the project. But I've introduced Music for Makers Pro so that people could sign up for that and then that would allow them to go in and browse the entire library of songs that I have ever sent, plus uh, a few dozen songs that I created specifically for the, the pro drivers. so kind of some exclusive songs. And um, so basically the way that works is uh, you could just head over to musicformakers.com pro. It's an annual subscription, so you sign up, you pay once every year or just one year if you don't, you know, if you just want to try it out for a year. And then you automatically get instant access to every song. Um, So you can go through and listen to them and download them. And again, you know, use them however you want without having to pay royalties or anything like that. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it was um, it was kind of, you know, once I I realized that the people were actually interested um, in music for makers, it was kind of a a gradual rollout. So it's been something that I've been working on for a few months. So we launched very recently. And so it's uh, it feels really good to be able to say that that's
0: awesome yeah congratulations yeah so is there is there anything else you would like to add about music for makers or or anything else that you're working on um, before we jump into the last couple of questions
1: yeah well i'll just say um about pro it's so it's typically a hundred dollars a year but if you are listening you can <laughs> uh you can enter in uh, a special discount code which will allow you to get 15 percent off so it's only 85 dollars a year and that code is jumpstart. So just when you're going through the checkout process, there will be a little discount code box. And if you're interested in signing up, you know, enjoy 15% off. Other than pro, there's a lot of other ideas I have in terms of uh, other offerings and, and cool features. Could be really useful, but nobody is really meeting those uh, needs yet. So it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy thing to kind of start start something from nothing and then um, continually grow it and find ways to keep it interesting. And I don't know. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this year.
0: Yeah, it'll be awesome. I love that you followed your your intuition on seeing that this is a need that so many makers have. (laughs) Thank you for following your intuition and doing this. Yeah. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, It's really been a a great chat.
1: Yeah, it's been awesome.
0: So if someone listening has a big dream about how they could make a change in the world, what advice would you give them about bringing their dream into action?
1: It's an interesting follow-up question after what you just said about uh, (laughs) just doing it. I think – I mean – I honestly think my advice would probably be just to do it, just to commit to it. So before I, I launched Music for Makers, I mean, I probably, I think I think partially just working in the ad, advertising world, you get exposed to so many interesting ideas. And it's such a, you know, it's a place of like inherent creativity and that's kind of stoked and encouraged. And so I, I was constantly having ideas for like businesses or these little side projects that I could start. and I would, I mean, I would start down a road, um, you know and kind of research it and even like go as far as like creating the logo or like buying the domain name or something like that <laughs> and then it would just kind of like fizzle out with music from makers, I was just like I've you know I've got some of these songs saved that I never released and here's this idea I'm just gonna throw up a website and see what happens and you know like gain traction pretty quickly and then you know the rest is history so I think it was just a matter of just saying okay I'm gonna do it and then doing it you know even if it's just a very small part like what's, what's kind of the smallest step you could take that would make you commit to, to trying to reach that dream or that goal and then go for it?
0: Yeah, mm, that's, that is really good because I think sometimes, I mean, even working with clients, part of it is that there's this overwhelming feeling that the dream, the full dream is so big that you don't know or they don't know how to tackle a piece. Like, it's just like, well, but I don't know how to get there. <laughs> so I don't know if, yeah, if you can kind of back out, some circles would call it a minimum viable product or yeah, exactly. Yep. like, what is the smallest piece that you could do? Because I think there's something really special, both about like what you just said about the commitment, but I'm going to share about the podcast. Like it became this thing, like once I'd done it, then I had like, I had a the taste for it had come comes to mind, but like. But then I wanted more. And so it was like, it, it was the hook I needed was like, I put one out and it wasn't so much even that like now it was scary and daunting, but it was like, oh my gosh, yes, I love it. And I've gotten a taste for it. So now I want to do it even more. So I don't know. I think there's something magic when you hit the right thing too, because then it fuels you for more and more and you don't, and it's not really a question anymore of like, would I quit? Like I originally signed up for a year, like in my own head, but like now it's like, well, no, I'm a podcaster now. Right.
1: <laughs> so. Right, yeah, so I think, I think yeah. it go one of two ways. Either it can go, like you said, where you, you hit upon something that is great and that's awesome, you know, and you yeah. carry through. But it's either that or you hit on something and you're like, well, that didn't work. And, you know, but then, but then the awesome thing about that is that you can move on because yeah. otherwise you're just you're going to consistently come back to, man, like I should try that. Or what if I tried that? You know, it's like that what if game.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: think just doing trying it and seeing what happens and, you know, not being afraid to fail. You know, it's just, you got to think of it all as kind of a big experiment and yeah. a, a learning opportunity. And so.
0: Yes, I love it. Yes, yes. Uh, At last, and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in
1: other people's lives? I think number one would be to just make things as often as possible. Something I've kind of realized with Music for Makers that wasn't necessarily intentional uh, right off was that it would be forcing me to create things on a regular basis. And while that has some, you know, it inherently has some stress tied to it. Ultimately it's like at the end of the day or the week or whatever, I can look at what I've done and it's like, you know, there's, there's bits of it I'm proud of or whatever. And it's like, it's really fulfilling in some way. But I don't know, for me personally, it's just kind of like we talked about in the very beginning, since I was a, a kid, I've always enjoyed drawing or building things or whatever. And I think that's just built into us as, Humans, like this this desire to create and the fulfillment that comes after you create something so uh, i would say number one would, would just be make more stuff mm-hmm. um consume less and make more i think that's a, a path to, to greater happiness i think number two be more generous than you than you're comfortable with being in terms of kind of like time and just again you know with music for makers there's some people who uh, still are kind of like this is crazy it's, you know if, if you've ever used stock music at all and you know there's kind of the, the price tag that's usually associated with it is pretty steep. And so there are people who are like, consistently surprised that I'm doing that for free. The result has been really awesome, just in terms of kind of growing an audience and, and meeting all these people. So the payoff for, for giving more than you feel comfortable with giving away can be really good in a lot of ways. Number three, but I think just just going for it, you know, for like, I feel like we all you know, everybody has has something that they want to do, whether it's It is, you know, to go off and start their own business or if it's something as simple as, I want to run a half marathon this year. It's about just pushing yourself to actually work towards those goals and and actually try to reach them. And then kind of built into that, just not take yourself so seriously as you do it because it's, you know, like I said, it's all kind of just like a big experiment. So you just got to take things in stride, have fun when you're doing it.
0: Those are good ones. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. It also ties into joy because I, I feel like if each of us is doing whatever feels like we're supposed to do here on this planet, like things that bring us joy. Like then, yeah, it ties into the greater good. Like, I think there's something very key about us all figuring out what makes us happy and not from a, not from a naive or Pollyanna-esque place, but just this, like, no, you know, we all, we all deserve to be happy. And if, if we can figure out what that looks like, then I think we all support each other and be even being happier.
1: Well, and that <laughs> makes me – so I, I did have a third one that I had forgotten, but, but that just reminded me of it. So I think part of that kind of talking about, you know, like finding what makes you happy – I think it really ties in there well, which is to just to try new things and expose yourself to as many things as possible. I think that's really the only way to really grow. If you're, you know, exposing yourself to new experiences or cultures or uh, whatever, really just something new, because then whenever I travel, I always try to go somewhere new and do new things because it forces you to really like look around you and appreciate things versus, you know, when you're just in traffic on your way to work every day and it's the same route and it's, same cars around you and you just like don't even really notice it. But I I think when you're kind of forced into a different situation, you're forced to actually pay attention. And from that greater awareness and that greater mindfulness, I think comes naturally comes joy because you are able to better appreciate if nothing else, just like being alive, you know, (laughs) and like what a beautiful day it is or whatever. So, yeah. So try new things.
0: Well, thank you, Logan. This has just been amazing. I'm inspired by all that you're doing and it's fun to have someone on that like we just, have, it seems like we have such similar ways of thinking and, and stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me again. I mean, it was uh, it's definitely a great conversation.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you Logan for the great interview. It really was a lot of fun having you on the show. If you're wondering, uh, if you want to check out any of the information that we talked about, just head on over to the show notes, which are at jumpstartyourjoy.com/slash/music-for-makers and if you want to take advantage of that special offer that logan mentioned just go over to musicformakers.com and sign up for the pro service if you use the code jumpstart you'll get 15 dollars off your year-long subscription and thank you so much logan for sharing that special deal with us if you are looking to follow your dreams and want to find a life coach to help you do that either starting your own business or maybe you want to break through feeling stuck in your own life Well, my new full-time gig is as a life coach, and I love working with women who want to feel like they are living in their own no-toggle zone and feeling enraptured with their lives. And of course, those are a couple of my favorite words. No toggle just means that you're being authentic in everything that you do, and enraptured is living in giddy delight. So hit up the site and you can learn more jumpstartyourjoy.com. There's a coaching tab at the top and you can get a free 30-minute call with me if you would like to learn more about coaching and how I work. Next week on the podcast, we have an interview with Diane Polly, who goes by the moniker The Client Conversationalist. We really hit it off. She focuses on helping women in small business find what she likes to call their special someone instead of feeling like they have to market to everyone. And to do this, she suggests that we start meaningful conversations with clients that lead to long lasting business relationships. You're not going to want to miss her if you are an entrepreneur. And so I hope you guys will come on back next week to hear her as well. Thank you again for coming back and listening and sharing your reviews and you guys are just the best audience. And so until next week, May your days be filled with so much joy.